This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Aquarium Mania on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Anong, speaking to you from the University of Florida's Tropical Aquaculture Laboratory in Ruskin, Florida. Thanks for joining us. So your aquarium has been set up for a few years, and now it looks great, but then life throws some aquarium-keeping challenges your way. Here are a few scenarios. You are moving and want to bring your 55-gallon aquarium. You have to leave home for a few weeks and aren't sure what to do about your fish. Power lines have just been cut because of bad weather and you don't have a generator. What do you do? My guest today is aquarium fish expert Bill Shields from 5D Tropical Incorporated and the Tampa Bay Aquarium Society. Bill has been through each of these potentially aquarium life-threatening scenarios and has helped numerous people keep their aquaria healthy and happy through similar stressful times. Need some pointers? Join us. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. back and my guest today is Bill Shields from 5D Tropical Incorporated to discuss fish logistics. Hey Bill, thanks again for joining us. Hey Dr. Roy, good to talk to you again. So uh, are you keeping the fish warm at 5D? We're, we're getting a little cold these days. Yeah, we, uh, we're getting uh, blessed with that uh, great white north uh, winter weather. And it looks like it's coming back on, uh, on Sunday. We were at 28 the other morning. So that's so, uh, cold, but all our ponds are covered and we run the water at night. What kind of temperature are you guys able to keep the fish at or the ponds at? Hopefully we keep them in the high 60s. Uh, the water coming out of the ground runs 72 to 74 degrees. So we uh, run a trickle in each pond, and that keeps a warm spot, and the fish uh, gravitate to that. Plus all okay. the ponds are covered with, uh, with hoops and uh, plastic, so we get the radiant heat from the sun during the daytime. So okay. Well, a little that- uh, hothouse in there. Good. Hopefully that'll uh, keep them warm and we won't have a really long cold spell like we've had in the past. So we, we've had some listener requests on a couple different topics, kind of grouping them together as fish logistics. The first one, um, I think a lot of folks may be interested in because everyone goes through the uh, same situation in terms of uh, moving when they actually are moving from one place to another. And I know 
it can be relatively simple if you've got a small setup or maybe just a, a fish in a bowl. But when you're dealing with more complicated setups, there's quite a bit of pre-thought and pre-planning that has to be done. So I guess maybe uh, if you can take a step-by-step, let's pretend I'm a I'm kind of a hobbyist that's gotten into the hobby, but I really never had to deal with a move before. What are some of the things that I would need to consider? And if you can kind of maybe start from the beginning for me. Well, we can do that. The, uh, the first consideration is, do you really need to take the fish with you? And that's a legitimate concern. Moving the equipment is, is fairly simple. But the fish, uh, some people just have fish as an ornament, as a, as a decoration in their house and aren't really attached to the fish or don't have any special fish that they, uh, they have any value uh, sentimentally to. So you can go down to your local uh, mom and pop pet store and see if you can get a, a trade in and then pick up after you get your tank set up at your new location. However, there are those of us that are attached to our fish and uh, have had uh, certain lines going for, for years and you want to take those with you. So the main thing when you want to take your animals with you is be prepared, plan ahead. If you know when you're going to move, and uh, we ship fish all around the world, so moving fish from one location to another isn't exactly a, a difficult thing if you take the time to plan it out. If I were going to move my fish, first thing I'd do is uh, start water changes on them two weeks beforehand. Start, uh, start getting the water in the tank up to the highest quality of water you could. So you don't have uh, chemical problems, build-up problems in the water that you're taking with you. Next thing I do is, uh, myself personally, I use uh, coolers, little 14-quart uh, igloo coolers, or not the plug igloos, but any, any cooler, rectangular cooler. You want about a quarter inch of the, the tank water in there. You want to put some sort of uh, substrate in there, some hiding places, uh, cut up plastic. Uh, I'm a killifish person, so I use spawning mops so they can hide and feel secure. And if you're going for a distance, you can uh, purchase a little uh, battery-powered uh, air pump. Drill a, the air line-sized hole in the top of the lid, and you're ready to go. You've got a watertight, uh, insulated container to take them. And then when the moving day comes and uh, you're actually going to do it, you want to have the uh, in the pre-planning, you want to start taking out the plants, decorations, so the water settles, the fish can be uh, caught more easily. You want to take your filters, if you have an outside filter, a uh, inside sponge filter, the filter material itself, you want to, you want to put into a, a plastic bag to keep the, uh, without water, just uh, being damp so the aerobic bacteria are still there when you set up your tank at your new location. And these are the bacteria for the uh, to help break down the ammonia and uh, everything there. Like all correct. Okay. And you want to start. That's where people run into problems with new tanks. It's new tank syndrome. So the bacteria builds up to the required numbers to take care of the, uh, the ammonia in the water. You have the water parameters changing all over the place, and that stresses the fish. When you stress fish, you run into problems. So you got your. Uh, your shipping container, you don't have to use a styrofoam container. Some people can go to their local pet store again. They receive their fish in styrofoam boxes. So uh, for a reasonable price, you can get a styrofoam box with a lid, the plastic bags, rubber bands. Uh, one big problem people have that I've seen is uh, when they transport fish, whether it's uh, from one location to the other, into their local aquarium society, they have this lingering thing where the fish need a lot of water. 
The fish just need enough water to cover them. They need the air above the water is what they need for the move. Once you're ready to move, you net your fish up, put them in the uh, bags, grab the bag around the top so you lock in the big volume air, tie it up either manually or with rubber bands, and you're good to go. Now, there are chemical products you can use, and I'm not a big proponent of uh, putting chemicals in water, but there's uh, poly pads, kind of expensive. It's a, a chemical absorbing, it looks like a, a filter pad that uh, can be used in fresh and salt water, and it, it absorbs the uh, all the uh, bad stuff out of the water. If it's absorbing uh, ammonia, it turns brown. If it's uh, copper, it turns blue. But uh, they're available. If not, they're, they can be purchased online. The, uh, you also have uh, a little cheaper and the uh, same principle, zeolite mineral, which absorbs the, uh, the ammonia out of the water. You can put a teaspoonful in each bag to help. And that's just for fresh water, right? That's for freshwater. Now, I'm not a, okay. a, right, a right. saltwater person. I have moved saltwater fish. The parameters are pretty much the same. Uh, saltwater fish, you want to do the same things. You want to stop feeding them a couple days before the move. You want to make sure you take as much water with you as you can. You want your water to be good quality when they're in it and so on. But no, I'm, I'm mainly a freshwater person. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I, I, was, I meant for the zeolite because I know the zeolite has some issues with salt, right? Salt, right. Okay. And then uh, another thing I found uh, very helpful when uh, we go on our collecting trips, and we're moving, we're gone for three, four days at a time when we uh, do the NAMFA collecting around the, uh, the state. We go up to the Panhandle, and we're gone for a, a long weekend. A product called Bag Buddies. They have uh, a mild sedative in there. I believe it's clove oil, which is a real mild sedative that helps calm the fish. And the calmer the fish are, the less stress there, there is, and the better they move. Now, at the other end, once you're uh, set up and you, you have your location, you put your fish back in the tank, you want to have your water conditioner. You want to check the, uh, the water parameters coming uh, from your system. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, most municipalities have a chloramine in the water, so you want to get a, a proper chloramine remover and uh, treat the water, and then put your fish in, and away you go. The uh, Again, once they're acclimating to their new location, I'd be slow to start feeding them again. Start uh, on a, a minimal feeding regimen after the first or second day. And once they get used to their new surroundings, go back to normal. Now, if you've got a tank that's got a lot of decorations or substrate or planted tanks, what are maybe some little tweaks you have to do for more complicated aquaria? I know, I know some people will try to maybe get rid of the water and put fish in these separate containers, as you discussed, but then try to move the entire kind of setup, too. Is that something you advocate, or what do you suggest for some of these more complicated setups? That depends on the, the uh, individual and the size of the aquarium. If the aquarium's manageable and you can drain the water out of it down to the uh, substrate gravel uh, level, it's probably better to do it like that, cover the, uh, even with the plants in. You can uh, cover them with uh, wet paper towels and wet newspaper so it doesn't dry out and, uh, and move it. Sometimes the tank's so big and so heavy that becomes an issue for breaking of the tank and breaking the backs and whatever. But the, uh, then you can remove the gravel, put it in buckets, put it in plastic bags, pull the plants out, same thing, put them in plastic bags. As long as they don't need water, they just need to be damp. And wrap them in, uh, in wet newspaper also and put them in a plastic bag and they're, they're good to go for for a while. Now, another question. You mentioned putting fish, you know, the cooler sounds like a great idea, of course, with um, in air, you know, the uh, battery-operated air pumps. Now, if you do 
have a, a plastic bag that you you know obviously is non toxic, and you put fish in there with water. And you you said you you know just make sure there's enough air in there for them. You know a pretty good amount of air. I know it'll probably depend on a lot of different factors, but how long would that be good for if you have fish in a sealed plastic bag? How you know how long would that be good for transport? In a sealed plastic bag, as long as the, the, you didn't crowd it with fish, that's the main thing. You don't want to crowd it with fish. Uh, if you use the uh, the bag buddies, which tranquilize them, they don't use as much oxygen. The metabolism slows down. They don't use as much oxygen. Uh, but you're good for two, three days. Now, oh, wait, wow, okay. You are uh, a more advanced hobbyist or person that has access to uh, uh, breathable bags. That's, uh, Cordon's been making those for years now, but it's a, a bag that's a, it's a semi-permeable membrane, and all you have to do is have enough water to cover the body of the fish. You tie it off, there's no air in there whatsoever, and you're good for two weeks. Okay. And that's probably available online, right? Or they can, they can yeah, find that. Yeah, they're available online. Yeah. Or okay. uh, your, if you belong to a aquarium society, I'm sure some, some member in there has them. That's how a lot of the fish are shipped when they buy them on Aquabid. And they can live a long time. The, the, the only thing there is you have to have a uh, layer of either newspaper, paper towels, uh, something to keep the bags from touching each other. Uh, the oxygen... Uh, goes through the semi-permeable membrane, the carbon dioxide comes out, and the fish are, are good. Uh, I know one of the, my friends in the Aquarium Society shipped fish across the country. They got messed up in shipping, and they came back 12 days later, and they're fine, and they're uh, dwarf sickness. Wow, that's, uh, that's incredible. Now, um, it sounds like that pretty much covers most of it. Um, are, are there any additional things people need to think about? I guess you mentioned the pet stores. Would uh, you think a, a lot of pet stores would be willing to help folks out with moves or uh, you know provide supplies, that sort of thing? Well, I went to an uh, independent pet store where we had the uh, family business type thing. I think they're more than willing to, uh, to help out hobbyists. The bigger stores, I don't know. I've never... Uh, I've, always moved much myself. I've never had to uh, go and ask. But I'm sure somebody would, they'd have access to the uh, styrofoam boxes or the bags, the shipping bags. I thought at another point I didn't really mention the, uh, when you're bagging a fish, when you put them in your, if you're going to do a box, styrofoam box, you want to have an outside liner also. You can use a, a trash bag or a fish bag, but you want to have a, a little redundancy just in case there is a leak problem. Okay. That's why I prefer the, uh, the igloo coolers. Yeah. Have, that, uh, when we go collecting, I use a 128-quart one. We have two of them we take with us, and they, they're sturdy. They're insulated. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess potentially if, if someone is working with a pet store, they might be able to get some oxygen to use for some of their bags, you know, that, that sort of thing as well. Right. So That's a good point you brought up. The, uh, if they do have some of just blow air in, atmospheric air, but the right. stores that do have oxygen... If they'll give it to you, you can probably work out a price. You can just blow up a garbage bag. Right. Blow up a garbage bag with a piece of airline tubing in it, crimped airline tubing, and then uh, squeeze it into your bags like a bagpipe so you don't have to have all the, the uh, equipment to do it. You don't have to have the regulators and the nozzles. And well, that sounds good. That's a, a lot of really good suggestions. And um, I'm guessing, too, uh, something else I thought about. I know some of the fish are going to be maybe a little more spiny than others, and, and that may be a reason the coolers might be preferable to, uh, to bags as well in case they pierce the bags and cause some problems that way. Well, coolers are uh, my preferred methodology. That way, if you run into a problem and everything doesn't get stuck, well, you already have a tank that you can't see into. So you can right. fill it up with water. You can get a filter in there. 
and you can go for the uh, a little longer duration than the uh, just move period. That's great. Well, we probably should take a little break and talk a little bit more. We've got a couple other areas and topics that I wanted to cover with you today, Bill, that, that we had suggestions from our listeners. So let's take a short break before we come back and listen to some messages from our sponsors. designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat beautiful couture patterns for your pets including custom-knitted formal wear casual wear yachting and even sports themed many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats top hats and a lot of sparkle each sweater includes leg loops front paw sleeves and leash opening visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready large or small we fit them all designerpetsweaters.com let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio petliferadio.com <laughs> back and we're continuing our conversation with my guest Bill Shields of 5D Tropical Incorporated. So Bill, you gave us some great suggestions on uh, on considerations for moving fish when you're either just moving fish from one, one area to another, maybe that you've collected or whether you're moving fish, a whole fish aquarium from one house or home to another. Um, and, and I think hopefully people will be able to use some of those tips in their own moves. A couple other suggestions or questions people had had, um, some of our listeners were I guess taking care of fish, the first was taking care of fish when you go away on vacation. And I assume obviously some of this will depend on how long you're away and you know access to people that can help you, that sort of thing. But, but let's say you, um, starting with scenarios where you maybe don't have anyone that you know immediately going to get to help you or, or that you trust. And so you're kind of on your own and, and you've got to let the fish sort of do the best they can. What, what are some kind of minimal things that can be done when you're going to be away for a while. Well, once again, uh, preparedness, a little little forethought into it. When you know you're going somewhere, go ahead and get your water changes caught up so when you're leaving, the fish are in the optimal water conditions. And you might want to increase the, uh, the feeding a little before, not overfeeding, of course. That's the biggest killer of tropical fish, I believe, people feeling they need to feed them all the time. Uh, get your fish primed up and I, you're probably good for two weeks without having to worry about the fish being taken care of. I've had fish killed by having somebody take care of them that was compelled to feed a little too much and the water parameters go down and then you have dead fish when you return. That makes a lot of sense and you're right and I think if the people, one of the concerns obviously is if you have someone who's really not in tune with your kind of standard operating procedures or how often you're feeding, they, they may not have a, a good idea. So they may tend to overfeed or even if you tell them what to do, they may feel a little anxious and not realize that it is really easy to overfeed. And definitely the water change suggestion makes a lot of sense as well. You definitely want to make sure things are as good as possible before. Now, um, maybe just to reiterate, when you say increase feeding but not overfeed, what would be kind of a rule of thumb or how can people sort of gauge that? Well, if you once again, if you have a store that uh, has an availability of live foods, now would be a good time to put them in, especially the uh, 
organisms that'll live, the black worms, the uh, daphnia, that'll live in freshwater for a time period. So you can go ahead and uh, feed them up prior to you leaving and then give them a, a good dose the day you leave and then there'll be some live organisms in the tank for them to graze on and the fish really don't need, unless you're breeding fish and trying to get them in breeding condition, they really don't need to be eating every day two, three times a day. Here at, the, at work, uh, we breed fish 12 months out of the year, 52 weeks we're breeding fish, so we always want them in prime breeding condition, so my breeders are fed five times a day. My fish at the house that I also breed, but I'm not breeding in the actual quantities, uh, they get fed twice. Twice a day? Twice a day. Right, okay, gotcha. And if I go, if I go somewhere with my fish, and I have the, a lot of pretty unique fish, uh, I just do my water changes, and they're on their own. I have a lady come in and take care of her dogs and cats and the birds. The fish, don't touch the fish. Do no harm. Hippocratic method. <laughs> you bring that up again, and yeah, I think you are right, though. It is, I've known people that have told me stories where they have people come and they just, the people that are trying to help them just really go crazy with food or, or maybe, you know, a little bit too much of something, and, and then it just ends up killing the whole tank. So, you know, that's definitely a good advice. Now, what do you think of those automatic feeders? You know, those are around in stores. Do you like those? Do you consider them a good idea? If you are really twinged with the having to feed your fish, or if you had big if you had big sailors or some fish that could get a little aggressive to the tank mates, I think they're a great idea. I've never used them in my own hobby, but uh, we have used them at work. We have adult feeders, and yeah, they're, they're very good. I'd set it for uh, every second or third day, because they're all adjustable. I imagine they're, uh, when I first got into these films, they're all just mechanical ones, but now I imagine they're all digital. I'd set it for uh, every other day or every third day feeding. What about lighting? Should that be on a timer? Should it be on a timer anyway? Is that something to worry about? Preferably, the lighting should be on a timer. Okay. I mean, that uh, if you don't have live plants in the tank, you're probably going to have an algae problem if you're leaving the, the light on constantly. But, uh, yeah, why either way, I'd, uh, I'd even reduce the amount of lighting maybe uh, five, six hours a day. Just uh, And if, it's, if you have good enough ambient room lighting, you really don't even need that. That just puts the fish into a natural diurnal, nocturnal cycle. Okay. Any other thoughts on being away? I know people may want to, you know, especially, and we'll talk a little bit more about our next topic is going to be power outages, but if they're living in cold climates and, and they want to maybe reduce their uh, their costs, heating costs, they may drop their temperatures a bit. I guess that should be okay as long as they have a heater in the tank that they know is, is working properly, right? Correct. Yeah, the, uh, you can even reduce the uh, heat of the tank as long as you do it gradually and uh, don't get below the, the uh, minimum for the fish. That uh, slows down their metabolism and so they don't need to eat as much. Any other final thoughts on taking care of fish when you go away on vacation? Well, once again, if you belong to a local aquarium society and had a, another competent aquarist, you could give them the keys to the house and they could come over and all the problems would be mute because they'd be doing an excellent job for you. But uh, everybody doesn't have that advantage, so uh, get them ready before you go. Do your water changes. Get them fattened up a little bit, and uh, you're good to go. That's another great suggestion. Again, plug for uh, local aquarium societies. I, I, I do agree with you. You get a lot of good information and camaraderie from these. So hopefully folks out there that are aware of local aquarium societies, you know, you guys um, hopefully will get involved with, with them as well. So our, our final topic for today is power outages, and I, I think it's kind of getting to that time of year when, especially up north, 
we hear all the time about people that are losing power because of ice or sleet or, or snow knocking over power lines. We obviously have problems with power outages here in Florida when we've had major storms or hurricane events. What are some considerations for um, power outages then uh, for folks that want to try to do some preparation in case they know something may be coming? Well, of course, the, uh, the obvious answer would be have a generator uh, ready so you can just switch over and uh, plug all your stuff in, but everybody doesn't have that option. So depending on uh, your situation, if it's a wintertime situation, you need to start thinking about the temperature going down in the tanks. And you can't hit critical temperatures inside if there's if there's no heat. An option is to boil water and put water in a, a container and float it in the tank. Another option is uh, styrofoam sheeting. I've done this myself in the uh, in my garage at the house uh, to help in the winter times. Even though we don't have real severe winters here in Florida, to uh, cut down on the uh, electric, I don't need to see all the fish constantly. So I uh, styrofoam the tank like you're making a styrofoam box and help that helps hold the heat in and with the additional heating uh, being put in it, it makes it last longer there's also uh, heat packs you can use heat packs they have to be uh, in a container not in the water but uh, in a container that is in the water and uh, they can help maintain the temperature and the opposite is true down here in the, uh, when we have the, the hurricanes and it gets too hot Sometimes uh, the temperatures in the tank, uh, depending on the crowding of the fish, the water becomes too hot, there's not enough oxygen. Same thing, you can put ice in the tank. You don't put it directly in the water, but put it in a plastic bag or some container so you can cool the water down. I think that's more of a problem with people with uh, reef tanks because they, uh, they're definitely susceptible to the higher temperatures. But uh, if you plan ahead and you have a couple of jugs of ice frozen in your, in your freezer, you can... Uh, prolong the, uh, the temperature until they get the power back on. That's good. Now, I, I guess the obvious other potential issue is going to be with oxygen, right? So so what are some uh, some suggestions for air and oxygen? Well, once again, if you uh, go collecting all the time, you have your little battery or fishing. Fishermen use them all the time for their, uh, their minnows, live bait. They have a battery-powered air pump, and they're available. I mean, from Walmart, to, and they're very inexpensive. And the new ones, I've had them run um, just a D battery four days. They're not a big volume pump. you got to put it down in the water column until you hit back pressure and, and then back it off so you get some uh, some movement. But they're, they're great. No, that's a great idea. And so what about um, like feeding at this time when you have this? I guess it sounds like you'd probably be suggesting not to feed then. No, if there's any adverse adversities at all coming to the tank, quit feeding. That's the... Uh, you're only compounding the, the problems. If the fish are uh, being stressed because of uh, high or low temperature, they're not going to eat anyhow, and the food's just going to rot in the bottom of the tank. And at that point in time, you're not in a position to start doing water changes. So it's best just not to feed them. Okay. So are there any other things that folks maybe would need to think about? Uh, it looks like you did a great job covering the, you know, uh, the temperature issues and, and air or oxygen issues. Uh, just uh, suffer products. Be prepared. I mean, you have to, you can't wait until uh, the situation's on you and then try to scramble. You have to have to do some uh, some planning ahead of time. If you know you're, uh, like our poor friends up north, <laughs> I couldn't believe four feet of snow. Oh, my goodness. And, and, uh, and whatever it was, two days. Well, Where was that? Coming. It was in uh, south of Syracuse. 
I was born in <laughs> Buffalo, New York, so we get a lot of lake effect snow. So they got hammered. That, that's more like a landslide snow. I don't know. I can't even visualize four feet. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. But yeah, uh, plan ahead and, okay. and be prepared. If you have if you have your supplies there, then you hopefully you'll never need them. That's great. Well, that really covered three of the major areas that folks had talked to or uh, contacted us about. And um, I think especially now with the holidays coming upon us, a lot of people will be going away for a while. And, and in addition to the inclement weather we're going to get, which is good in some respects, everyone likes snow, but bad in others. I'm actually going to be going to visit folks up north too. So um, I, I know a lot of these people will be having some issues with um, some of these problems that we discussed do uh, you have any final thoughts at all, Bill? On uh, I guess you can promote Aquarium Societies again. It seemed like uh, it Absolutely. definitely is a good group of people to uh, try to hook up with. Absolutely. Go on the web, look up, Google your Aquarium Societies, fish clubs, or go to a fish club site. And uh, many of them are, have links to the other sites. Uh, go on the forums. Uh, our club, the Tampa Bay Aquarium Society, has a... Uh, Super website and a great forum. I don't know how many people are on it now. It's thousands. It's just uh, amazing. You can ask questions. Uh, and you have a plethora of hobbies there to uh, have their input. And also, the uh, topic was moving fish. Uh, coming up here in February, we have the Florida State Fair. And people move their tanks for an Aquarium Beautiful competition. So if you're in the area, the Tampa, Florida, in uh, the second week in February, come by and see the results of people that move their tanks in. They move them in in uh, two days and let them stay up for two weeks, and they're beautiful. It's uh, really something to see. Yeah, you're right. Definitely a, a lot of incredible tanks at the uh, Aquarium Beautiful show at the State Fair. And as you know, obviously, I've, I've had the uh, the pleasure of judging, and many of the tanks always surprise me with how, how great they look after having just been moved for a couple days so definitely appreciate all your time. And unfortunately, we're uh, out of time ourselves. So I would like to thank you, Bill, and our producers, especially Mark Winter, for making this show possible. Uh, I'd like to thank you again for joining us, Bill. I encourage all of you to visit my Aquarium Mania blog on Pet Life Radio. If you'd like transcripts of this show or any other show on the Pet Life Radio network, just go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Aquarium Mania or the show of interest. Also, if you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, feel free to email me at drroy at petliferadio.com. If you're over in Florida, please be sure to visit the Aquarium Mania exhibit at the Florida Aquarium in Tampa, one of my favorite aquariums. And until next time, please visit your local aquarium stores, buy more fish, and keep your tanks and fish healthy and warm. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.